We are continuing right along this morning in the book of John in our series called Miracles. We're looking at some of the miracles of Jesus through the book of John. There are many more miracles than the, than the handful that we're going to look at uh, between now and Thanksgiving, but we are, we are moving right along. We are moving to a miracle today where Jesus walks on water. That's found in the book of John, chapter 6. John chapter 6, if you have a Bible and want to turn there with me, please do so. If not, just listen carefully. uh, Chapter 6, verses 16 through uh, 21. Let's pray before before we jump in. Father God, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us to have a good day today in your house, dear Lord. I pray that you would just open our ears and open our heart, God. I pray that you'd just be with me, dear Lord, as I I speak your word today. God, help me to be excited for you. God, I just feel kind of blah this morning. It's not that I don't love you or don't want to be here, dear Lord. I don't know what it is, dear Lord. I just... For whatever reason, God, I'm just not feeling very spiritual. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's the the enemy, God. Maybe there are some others in here today that's just feeling kind of kind of down and, and, and feeling kind of out for whatever reason, dear Lord, but we're not going to worry about us right now, dear Lord. We're going to praise you because you're worthy of our praise, and so help us to have a good day today, dear Lord. Help it to be good for us. Help us to be excited for you. God, help us to, to get something out of your word that, that you would help us to hear from you today, that the Holy Spirit would just speak to us. We have got such a, a wonderful miracle, dear Lord. We've got a wonderful Savior in Jesus. God, there are so many reasons for us to be excited. So help us all to be excited, dear Lord, if there are some that aren't. Help us to be ready to go today, dear Lord, and just hear your word and just block everything out. God, help us to be focused and help the Holy Spirit just to speak to our heart, dear Lord, so that you can be glorified, God. And in my weakness this morning, God, I pray that you'll be my strength, God, that you'll do the speaking, that you'll hide me behind the cross, and that you'll be glorified. And that people will see you and hear you today in this place through your word. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. We have got a good good miracle today. This is probably one of my favorite miracles that Jesus did. There is so much that we can get from this this text that we're going to look at today. Uh, As we talked about last week, there are some of the miracles of Jesus that are kind of covered upon in different gospel accounts. And, And as part of that different authors who wrote uh, these different four Gospels of Jesus Christ have different views. The the details are a little different. Sometimes the the time of day may be a little different. The exact phrasing of what was said or exactly who said it was a little different. Now, there are some people that really struggle with the fact that there are those differences and they would say, well, they're contradictions. God's Word can't be trusted. But let's keep in mind that we are no different uh, than than these people of that day. If something happened in here and we all wrote an eyewitness account of it, our details would probably differ a little bit. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that we are liars. It doesn't mean that we are not trustworthy. But it just means that everybody may notice different things, may remember different things, may have heard different things in the midst of a commotion or a crowd or whatever may have been going on. That is the case for many of the things that we see in the, in the New Testament in the gospel account. So it doesn't mean that God's word is not trustworthy or that it is contradictory or that it is untrue. 
We also must remember that most of these things that were written were not written as they were taking place. It's not like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were just walking around with notepads uh, remembering and recording everything as it happened. Most of these books were not written until some 30 or 40 years after Jesus Christ had died and been resurrected. And so, I don't know about you guys, but... I can't remember too good what happened 30, 40 years ago. And so sometimes the details may be a little, a, little, a little shady. The point being is that some of these things that we see in these gospel accounts, in particular with these miracles we're looking at, if you put them all together, you begin to get a, a clear picture, a, a whole picture of exactly what was taking place. Now, I know I said most of this last week, but I want to reiterate that to you guys because I know that's a, that's, a, that's a big stumbling block for some people to say, to think that, well, is God's Word contradicting itself? And I'm just trying to help you guys to understand why some of those differences are there. And I encourage you to go back anytime we're reading in God's Word, but in particular in these Gospel accounts where we see different details of these stories, go back and read all of them. Because they almost always hit on some different detail that one did not. And when we read them as a whole, we can begin to get a picture of exactly what was taking place. Now last week we saw a wonderful miracle. We saw a miracle where there were, there were 5,000 men, not counting women and children, who had gathered on a mountainside, who had followed Jesus and his disciples because they had heard of the healing that Jesus had done. And so no doubt the crowds had flocked and Jesus said, well, we need to feed these people. And, and some of the accounts, he asked the disciples, how are we going to feed the people? The disciples said, look, Lord, I don't know how to feed all these people. And one of them pointed out, well, there's a boy here. He's got some loaves and some fish, but how is that enough for this many? And Jesus proceeded to take that five loaves and those two fish, and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children and had lots left over. That was a, that's, an, that's an awesome miracle. That is, that is unbelievable. That is a cool thing to hear, but we can believe it. We can know that it's true because Jesus did it and it's in God's Word and it is true. And so this miracle that we're going to look at today takes place following right after that feeding of the 5,000. This is a miracle uh, where Jesus walks on water. Some of you may have heard this miracle before. If you have not, then listen closely because, boy, it is a good one. And there is a lot that we can get uh, from this miracle. Now we are also going to read in Matthew chapter 14 today to help kind of get some more details about what was going on. If you want to stick a finger there, I'll give you a heads up. We are going to read in Matthew chapter 14. While you guys are reading that, I also have a book that I would recommend to you if you care about studying more in depth about uh, this, this, this passage that we're looking at today. It's called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. It's a good book. It's, it's a very simple read, and it's a very practical book. It gives very practical life application you know, that goes along with the Scripture. It kind of breaks the Scripture down. And it just it points out some cool things that are, that are simple, that it's easy to read. But I found it to be very helpful uh, when studying this passage. I'd read it some time ago, but there are a lot of things that the author points out that have, that have stuck in my mind. So if anybody's interested in studying this uh, passage in Matthew 14 in a little more detail, uh, you're more than welcome to borrow my copy. Or if you want to get a copy for yourself, I'm sure they sell it on Amazon. But that's an extra uh, added help if anybody's interested. All right, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. 
Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. Then a high wind arose, the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board, and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. Let's pray again. Father God, thank you for this good word. Speak to us today. Get our minds straight. Help it to be Help it to be beneficial for us, dear Lord. And we just thank you for this good word. In Jesus' name, amen. So on the heels of what we saw last week in the text, they had just fed the 5,000. It's getting late. They go down to the sea. It's getting dark. Jesus sticks around on the mountain, and the disciples get into the boat, and they begin to, they begin to row across the sea, or I believe some translations say lake, but they begin to row across the body of water, and it says they get some distance out, three to four miles. Again, uh, the distance is... is, is different depending on which uh, gospel uh, you're reading. Uh, the point is they're out on the water a little ways and the wind begins to, to pick up. The wind begins to pick up and here comes Jesus walking across the water. Well, the disciples see him and they are afraid. That is quite a natural reaction. I believe that if you and I were out on the sea or on a lake and the water was, was, was <coughs> twisting and turning and winds were blowing and somebody just come walking out across there, I would say that we would probably be afraid as well. But Jesus said, look, it's me. And they let him on board. Now, John doesn't really go into a lot of detail about this passage. Now, it's, it's just the fact of what we just read is enough in and of itself to say, wow, that's pretty spectacular that a man, the Son of God, Jesus, could walk on water. But I wanted us to get a little more detail, and Matthew, I believe, probably gives the most detail of this story. So we are going to also flip to Matthew chapter 14, and that's where we're really going to uh, dig in on some of the details as to what took place. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We've already got a a little bit of a background. We kind of know based on the reading we just had in John of what takes place. And we're going to go through Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We're going to go through this a verse or two at a time. And we're just going to kind of break down exactly what took place there and what we can learn from that today that may be beneficial to us. Immediately he made his the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So again, we've got the scene set. The disciples are already in the boat. They've headed out across the sea. Jesus had dismissed that crowd, all those thousands of people. He had gone up to the mountain just to kind of catch his breath, just to kind of chill, just to spend some alone time with God. That's important for us too. Can you imagine this point at Jesus' ministry, even though it was early on, he had done healed people, he had been preaching to people, because when he would see people, he would, he, he would look at them as sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus was constantly ministering to people. But even in the midst of all that, at the end of the long day, he still took time to go and find a place to be alone and to pray to the Lord. 
That's a good thing for us to learn, church. That is important for us to do. There may be some of you that, that do that right now. You may have a place that you go, a time of day that you go, and the place is not important, nor is the time of day. But what is important is that you take some time, and that is your time to go and be alone with the Lord. I would suggest that if you can do it in a restful place, then that would be good too. Some of you may do it on the way to work. You may have a long drive to work and you just like to sit in the quiet, kind of talk to the Lord and listen to the Lord. Just kind of praise Him a little bit. Lift your request up to Him. That's a good time to do it. Maybe some of you like to go for a walk in the woods and you like to just go and walk and look around at the Lord and just pray. Or whatever it may be, if you have a time, if you have a place, I would encourage you to find some time just to rest in the presence of the Lord you will find that it will be very uh, rejuvenating, not just in a spiritual sense, but also in a, in a physical sense. Even after a hard day, there's something about just spending some time in the Lord that is very, that is very, uh, is very good. It's very good. And so if you don't have that time that you spend with the Lord, then I would encourage you to do so. That's what Jesus did here. The disciples had been sent off in the boat. He let the crowds go. He went on to the mountain, and he began to pray to the Lord. But the boat was already over a mile from, the bat from, the la from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. So around three in the morning, I don't know what time of night that they, that they set off from the land in the sea, but based on this text and the text that we saw in John, uh, it said they were over a mile here. Uh, John gives a little more detail, saying they were probably more like three or four miles, but they had been rowing for quite some time. This storm had been going for quite some time, and they were rowing, and they were rowing, and they were rowing, and you can imagine that they were probably pretty tired. It's difficult to row a boat when the water is good. You get wore out pretty quick. We, we, we in the last couple of years at camp, Ernest, who is, who is, who is, Kind of, I think of Ernest kind of like MacGyver and kind of like one of those like wild man shows where he's just out in nature, like he can do anything. But he would load up these boats and he'd take these kids and they're paddling all out there and they're going and they're they're having a big time and and it don't take long till you get tired paddling out there. And that was at Percy Quinn. It wasn't nothing going on. But here the disciples are in a much more difficult situation. They may even be fearful for their life. I don't know. It doesn't really tell us what their reaction was, but they were no doubt tired. They were wore out. They had been paddling for some time, and they were in the middle of the sea. And lo and behold, here comes Jesus in the midst of the storm walking toward them. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Now, this is a, this is a good verse for us, church. This is a good verse for us, Christian. This is a good verse for you if you're in here and you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. This is a good verse because it's a good verse to apply to our lives, and it's something that we can understand. Now, now some of you may have been in a boat in a storm in your life, there are likely some of you, like myself, I've never been in a boat in a storm. So I can't relate to uh, the exact details of what's going on here. But what I can relate to is that there are many storms that take place in my life. There are many storms that take place in your life. Now we're talking spiritual here. We're, we're out of the boat for a second. We're talking spiritual. There are many storms that take place in our lives. Those storms take place in the form of sickness. Those, those, those storms take place 
in the form of loss when we when we lose a loved one. When we go to the doctor, when we find out that we have been diagnosed with cancer. When we realize that our child is sick. When we realize that our child is, is being beaten up at school. When we realize that we have lost our job. When we realize that our, our husband or wife are, uh, is cheating on us. When we realize that everything we thought was good, all of our investments that we have made have all gone south and we've lost all the money that we thought was invested so securely. And all these things in our life that take place that, that, that become storms in our life. And they are difficult. Because in the midst of the storm, we're usually tired, much like the disciples would have been. We're tired because we are, we are worried about what's taking place, about our sickness, about our loss, about our, our money that we may have lost, about our job that we need to find, about all these other things. We begin to worry, and that begins to weigh on our mind. It begins to be a burden. We, we get to where we can't sleep well at night, and the lack of sleep makes us even more tired. And in the midst of the storms of life, we get worn completely out. And in a lot of times in those storms, we feel alone. We feel afraid. We feel like, well, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? Did I make a wrong decision? Did I live wrong? Is God punishing me? Does God even care? I've been praying. It doesn't feel like anything's changing. I still feel afraid. I still feel burdened. I still feel alone. I still feel all of these things. All the wind and the waves of the spiritual storms. I still feel those things crashing down on me. Is God even listening? Well, with the disciples, Jesus didn't come immediately. He could have come as soon as the storm came, but he didn't. They were there most of the night. They were there in the darkness. It was scary. It was wind blowing. There were waves that were going. It was probably raining. And they had to suffer through that for a long time. It wasn't instant relief. You know, that's what we want. We want instant relief. We get sick, we go to the doctor, we're like, what do you have that's going to make me well right now? Give me a shot, give me a sack of pills, whatever. I want instant relief, and that's what we want. We don't want to be in miserable situations. We don't want to be in storms of life. And sometimes it feels like those storms just linger on and linger on and linger on. But let me tell you something. You are not forgotten. God, it's not that God is too busy. It's not that God doesn't have time. It's not that God doesn't notice. And it's definitely not that God does not care. But sometimes God allows us to be in our storms. And He allows us to stay there for a while because He wants us to learn something from it. He wants to teach us something from it. And the disciples had been in the storm and they were tired and they were worn out. And they had been doing that for hours all night. And Jesus finally came to them. Jesus finally came. He came to him walking in the water and he said, It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, th now think about them words. Listen carefully. It is I. Do not be afraid. I want you to listen to those words and I want you to remember those words. And next time you feel that you're alone, next time you're in a storm of life and you're thinking, This is taking too long. Why is this happening? You remember Jesus saying those words when he says, It is I. Don't be afraid. 
You see, Jesus didn't just leave them there on the sea to die. Jesus didn't leave them to fend for themselves. Jesus came to them, probably not as quick as they would have wanted him to, but Jesus came to them. Jesus met them right where they were. Jesus wasn't on the other side looking at them saying, boy, I hope they make it. And when they got there saying, well, here I am. I'm ready for you. Let's go out some more. No, what Jesus did is he went right into the midst of the storm that they were facing. We're talking about a physical, real storm. He walked right up to the boat and he said, do not be afraid. Now there may be some of you in here today that are afraid. You're struggling. You're confused. You're not sure what to do, what to think. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus loves you and Jesus is there for you. And just because your situation is not getting better instantly doesn't mean that He's not caring about you. It doesn't mean that He's not going to deliver you. Just hang on a little longer and know that Jesus is there. Do not be afraid because Jesus is the one who has power over the storms. And Jesus will deliver you. Just hang in there. Let's read a little further. Lord, if it is you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Now, old Peter, now we, we give Peter a bad he gets a bad rap, right? Because it seems like he's always questioning Jesus. Oh, Jesus, oh, if it's you, then just tell me to come on out there. Now, maybe he just had a lot of faith, and he's like, I want to come out there with him. Maybe he had some doubt. After all, it says that they thought that Jesus was a ghost. So maybe Peter in his heart was saying, all right, if it is you, then prove it. Now, Peter's pretty bold. He's the same one that said, look, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll live by you. I won't, I won't ever, ever, ever give in. And then, lo and behold, when, the, when it got hot, I don't know him. I've never been associated with him. And so Peter kind of gets a bad rep. Peter was pretty bold, but I think that's one reason why Jesus was able to use Peter in such a mighty way when the church first got started. When I say the church, I'm talking about Christians after Jesus was resurrected. You see, because it was, it was Jesus who met Peter on the shore after Jesus had been resurrected. And he kept saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. Peter denied Jesus three times. But boy, after that, we see a different Peter. The Peter who used to deny Jesus was now on fire for Jesus. We see in the book of Acts a Peter who was preaching and not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And so Peter was bold, and Peter failed sometimes. But because of his failures, because of everything that Peter went through, God was able to use him in a mighty way. And so maybe some of you have failed before in a mighty way. Maybe some of you have doubted the Lord and been so bold as to call the Lord out like Peter. And maybe the Lord has humbled you. And hopefully that humbleness has caused you to be more prepared to do what God has called you to do. Well, here we see Peter. He's being bold in the midst of the storm. He says, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come on out there with you. And so lo and behold, here's what, what happens. Jesus says, come. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. Can you imagine I don't know of anybody else in the world other than Jesus and Peter that's ever walked on water. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool to get to walk on water. And here we got Peter walking on the water. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, here's what we like to do sometimes. We read this verse and we say, Oh, Peter, that doubter, he's sinking because he doubted the Lord. Well, yeah, he did doubt the Lord. But you know what? There were 11 other disciples. They never got out of the boat. They never got out of the boat. They didn't have, even have enough faith to get out of the boat. Peter got to walk on water. 
Him and Jesus, the only ones that ever got to walk on water. The rest of them didn't get to walk on water. Can you imagine what an awesome experience that was for Peter to get to walk on the water? None of the rest of them ever got to do that. You know why? Because they sit in the boat. They were afraid. They were afraid of the storm. See, we want to we jump on Peter sometimes and say, Oh, Peter, that doubter. But at least he got out of the boat. Yeah, he sunk. Yeah, he, he began to focus more on the situation than on the Savior. He began to become more afraid of the, of the ways than he, than, he, than he did trust in the Lord. Yeah, he doubted. No, he shouldn't have doubted. He should have had trust in the Lord. But at least he got out of the boat. At least he, he began to walk toward Jesus when Jesus was calling him and Jesus had come. At least he got out of the boat and came. He had the faith to do that. You know, we as Christians, we're, we're in the boat, so to speak. We're in the boat. We're doing good. We're, we're in the boat today. This church, we're in a boat. We're in these four walls and everything's good. But sometimes Jesus calls us to something. Sometimes Jesus says, I want you to come and serve in this way. I want you to go here. I want you to go there. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And do you know what we do sometimes? Nothing. I would say a lot of the time. Maybe even most of the time. We do nothing. We sit in the boat. We sit on these pews in the air conditioning, which is too cold for some of you and too hot for some of you. So we complain about that. And we complain about the times of service or we complain about X, Y, and Z or we complain about the way that we sung a song or it was too fast or it was too loud or it was too long or it was too short or we stayed too late today or we started too early today and all these other things and we sit right here in the boat and all we do is complain and complain and complain and never once doing what God calls us to do because we're not listening to God. We just going along in the storms. We just fat and fine and happy and, and, and comfortable. And we just living life and just having a good time. And never once do we get out of the boat. Because that would inconvenience us. After all, we come to church enough. We put money in the offering plate. We're pretty good to people when we see them out in the real world. We don't want to push too hard. We don't want to seek God's guidance. Because lo and behold, what if God calls us to serve or go and do something that would inconvenience us. And so we sit in the boat. We just sit in the boat. And as a result, God can't use us in the way that He wants to use us. What we need to do is be more like Peter. We need to be a little more bold, church, and say, God, what do you have us to do? Where do you want us to go? How do you want me to serve? And sometimes... God will say, I want you to serve here. I want you to come here. I want you to go there. The question is, when God does that to you as an individual or to us as a church, are we going to be brave enough to say, God, out that door, it's a wild world. Out that door, God, are Christians who are being persecuted are people who are being killed. And God, we're sitting here and we're comfortable and we thank you that we can come. But God, out that door... It's tough. God, do you really want me to go out that door? Just like the storm that Peter was facing when he had to get out of the boat. We face a storm, Christians. We face the storm of this world, and it's a bad, bad place. But you know what? God calls us to go to the bad, bad places. Jesus went to the bad, bad places, to the bad, bad people. 
And you know what he did when he found them? He loved them. And that's what God calls us to do. And it's not easy, but we can learn from Peter here and say, God, if it's you that's calling me, I want to come. And when God says come, you better be ready to go. Now, we like Peter also, we fail sometimes. Because a lot of times, you know, we're on fire for the Lord. Things are going good. We're spiritual. We hear a sermon like this maybe. And we're like, all right, I'm ready to go and do. And we head out and we go. And then all of a sudden we start to notice the winds and the waves of life. It's all good. I'm going to stand for you, God. I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to stand firm no matter what happens. And the first time we run into somebody who wants to, wants to argue with us or debate us or tell us we're a lunatic because we believe in Jesus, then we kind of we lose heart. We kind of sink back and say, mm, I don't think I can do it, Lord. And just like Peter, we begin to sink. We, 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 we go from experiencing such a miraculous, wonderful thing that God calls us to, that walking on water moment where God is just using us, we go from that to begging for our life, saying, Lord, help me. I'm drowning. I don't know what to do. And you know what Jesus does? He picks us up. He met him in the middle of the storm. He said, come here. Peter came. Peter doubted. And he began to sink. And guess what? You know what, you know what kind of I have the heart to do sometimes? when I, I, I just said, if I'm, well, I didn't come once, and here, you, and here you are questioning me, and then you come out here, and then, you, then you're drowning. And sometimes what I want to do is say, well, I didn't help you once. You just drown now. But you know, Jesus don't do that. Now look, now look, listen carefully. That ain't an excuse. Don't use what I just said to justify living in sin. That's not an excuse to say, well, Jesus is just going to come on and keep on pulling me out of the mud, so therefore I'm just going to keep on doing what I want to do. Look out. Look out. Read your Bible. That's not what God calls us to do. That's not what God desires us to do. It's not that we are not going to fall sometimes. You're not going to doubt. But when we do that, Jesus is there to pick us up. Not so we can fall again, but so that we can get back on the right track and we can be okay. Let's read a little further. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Have, we, have any of us ever cried that out before? Have any of us ever been in that dire situation where we just... All we have left to do is cry out to the Lord. I'm talking about the doctors can't help, your money can't help, your friends can't help, nothing seems to satisfy you, you're afraid, you're alone, you don't feel good, everything is just gone, and all that you have left to do is cry out to the Lord. Lord, help me. I think that most of us can probably relate to what Peter was going through here. Immediately, Jesus reached out His hand, called him, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know what Jesus did there? He didn't wait for a little while. He didn't let there and say, I'm going to let him learn his lesson. I'm going to save him, but I'm going to let him kick and scream. Y'all ever do that? Maybe you see a kid doing something wrong and, and they're not like life or death situation, but you're like, well, I'm going to let them go. They're going to learn their lesson. You know, Jesus didn't do that. Immediately, it said that Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached down and Jesus picked Peter up. That's good stuff, y'all. That is good stuff. That should be encouraging for you, Christian. 
That should be very encouraging for you. That should be encouraging for you, unbeliever, to know that God is still there for you if you would call out to Him, if you would call out to Jesus Christ. The same Jesus who did this miracle is the same Jesus who died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. The same Jesus that saved Peter when he cried out to Him is the same Jesus that will save each and every one of you if you cry out to Him. But you've got to ask Him. You've got to ask Him. You've got to come to Him and say, Lord Jesus, I need help because I am a sinner and I cannot help myself. I am a sinner. I cannot forgive myself of sins. There's nothing I can do to earn your favor. Lord Jesus, but what you did was enough. Lord Jesus, help me and forgive me and come into my heart and cleanse me and be my Lord and be my Savior. Lord, save me. And when you say that, praise the Lord. You know what Jesus does? Immediately, He comes down and comes into your heart and He saves you. That's good stuff, church. That's good stuff. Thank you. This preaching is a lot better than y'all amen in today, y'all. Look, God is good. God is good. And we forget that because we want to just sit in the boat. We want to just sit in the boat and just lay back and say, wake me up when we get there. That's what a lot of us do as Christians. That's what we do. We get saved and we come to church and we say, well, I'm part of the family now. I'm in the boat. One day I'm going to heaven. But between now and the time I get there, I'm taking a nap. Just wake me up when we get there. And we just waiting to get to heaven and not doing anything in between. Let's not be guilty of that. Let's not be guilty of that. Let's get out of the boat. When we get out of the boat and when we fail, let's know that Jesus is there for us. Immediately, Jesus reached out His hand, caught, caught hold of Him, and said to Him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. You know what happened when Jesus got there? Well, the storm stopped immediately. When Jesus got into the boat, the storm ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped Him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. Do we do that enough? Do we, do we acknowledge and worship and give God the praise for who He is when He delivers us from a situation, when he, when he frees us from whatever we are going through, whatever's going on? Do we give Him the praise and the worship that He deserves? That's what the disciples did. It says in, in, in one of the Gospel accounts that, that, that after, the, after the feeding with the fish and the bread, it said that their hearts were still hard. They didn't, they didn't realize what was going on. They didn't realize what took place. And sometimes we as Christians do that, right? Sometimes God does a mighty work. and we, It's not that we doubt God or don't believe Him. Sometimes we, just, we don't realize what God has done. We may not comprehend just the, 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 the greatness of what God has done. The disciples did that, and sometimes we do it. But you know what? This time they didn't. This time they got it. They said, oh, snap. They didn't really say, oh, snap. I'm paraphrasing. They said, oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine seeing a man walking on water? You see in your compadre get out of the boat, and he's saying, I'm going to get out of the boat, and they're saying, oh, this ain't going to end good. And then, then all of a sudden he gets out of the boat, and he's walking on water, and they're probably like watching, and they're looking, and then he drowns, and they're like, I knew that was going to happen. And then Jesus saves him, and then they're like, whoa, and all this stuff's going on, and now all of a sudden they're just sitting there, and I can imagine them being just big-eyed, the storm, storm ceased. Jesus gets in the boat, and all of a sudden they realize, this guy, something special about him. He is truly the Son of God. Now, some of you may not 
have believed that or may not have knew that before you got here today. But I hope you see it. I hope you see that this miracle-working man in the Bible is the Son of God. This miracle-working man who saved his disciples. This miracle-working man who fed those who were hungry. This miracle-working man who healed the sick. This miracle-working man who turned water into wine. This miracle-working man is the same Lord and Savior that we serve today. That's why we're here. If you're not a believer and you're in this church today, I'm going to tell you, this is why we're here. We're here to worship this man, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for us. That's what we're here for. And if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is cry out to Him and say, Lord, save me. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You today, and I thank You for these good words, dear Lord. It is exciting to get to read Your Word, so I thank You for just, for just bringing it, dear Lord, today. It was good to be in Your house, and we just praise You for that. We thank You for good miracles like this, dear Lord. This, this is good stuff for us to read. We need to hear it, God, and I pray that You would help us just to, to grow in it. God, I pray that if there's one in this room today who's in a storm of life, you know what those storms are. Sickness, pain, loneliness, fear, worry, all these things that we have, God, you know what our storms are. And so I pray to God that you would just meet each one wherever they're at. And God, if you choose to do that quickly, then, then praise be to you, dear Lord. But if they have to suffer through for a little while and, and have to Hold the storm out, dear Lord. Help them to know that you haven't forgotten them, that you're on the way, that you're going to take care of them when the time is right, dear Lord. But help them not to lose heart. Help them not to feel abandoned, God. Just be the strength for those who are being tossed by the storms of life this morning. And God, I pray that you would just touch the hearts of any who do not know you, Lord Jesus. There may be some in this room and they've never said those words, Lord, save me. I pray that today that they would get it that today that they would realize that they're in a storm that they're not going to be able to escape. This storm of sinfulness and this, this worldly life, God, we cannot escape this without you. And so, God, maybe there's some that's being tossed and turned, and today they realize the only hope, the only way out, Lord Jesus, is for you to lift us up. So I pray that if there's any that have not accepted you, Lord Jesus, they would call out to you today. They would ask for you to forgive them. They would ask for you to be their Lord and Savior. They would ask for you to save them, dear Lord, to dwell in their heart. God, that they would confess that, that they would come here today before each one and, and make that public, that they have accepted Jesus Christ, dear Lord, and that they would follow through in baptism as your word commands. And we praise you, God, for your good word, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.